Well, would you, if you called your dog Jeff, would yeah. you spell it with a G or a J? Oh, I'd go G. You go G. I like Hurst. G. Mm. The original G. The original um, G. That's a good name for a dog. <laughs> or a fish. <laughs> for gold. This week on Walking the Dog, I took my Shih Tzu Raymond out for a stroll with TV presenter and breakfast radio host Dave Berry. Dave had chosen London's Regent's Park for our chat, and he turned up bang on time, unlike me of course, looking incredibly dapper and bursting with London charm. We talked about his childhood in Lewisham, his stint as a model, meeting his wife. It's the most brilliantly bold first move I've ever heard, by the way and why he loves doing his show on Absolute Radio, which, FYI, is the most popular commercial breakfast show in the UK. I know! If you ever fancy a dog walk with someone, I highly recommend Dave Berry. He's brilliant company, very funny, and a real old-school gen. He reminded me a bit of the hero in a rom-com. You know, the one who turns up at the airport and races to the gate just in time to stop the heroine leaving the country. How does that all work with passport control and security? I mean, it seems like an admin nightmare. I loved my walk with Dave, and I really hope you do too. You can listen to him weekdays from 6am on Absolute Radio. And if you liked this podcast, please remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. Here's Dave. Thanks for the coffee, Emily. Very nice Oh, my pleasure. I should say, before we even start, well, I'm with Dave Berry and I've met him outside his choice of location, which was 221B Baker Street, which is where, I mean, legend had it that Sherlock Holmes lived. And I think that's the best ever location anyone's chosen for the start of a podcast day. I just needed to buy a new Deerstalker hat, so <laughs> I just wanted to kill two birds with one stone, Emily. I thought, as we're gonna be chatting and walking Ray, I should get myself some new headgear. Surely, Emily, we'll meet here. It's the most famous address in all of London. <laughs> Yes, I like it. This is very much like the sort of American tourist's idea of what <laughs> London is. is. Yeah, they go to uh, Sherlock Holmes's house and then maybe go to Leicester they Square. They have a cup of tea and uh, <laughs> see the Queen. It's all simple. Uh, no, we ch I chose there because I thought the Regent's Park would be nice for little Ray and for our stroll. Oh. And um, I didn't really know any other places of I also like the meet. way you say the Regent's Park. The Regent's Park. Which is a very, um, again, it's very formal and British. I like it. I'm getting this. I'm getting this vibe from you already, Dave. That there's a there's a formality to you which I like. Like you're very well dressed. Thanks, Emily. I mean, that's part of your. Can I? Can I drag? Can I not drag? Can I yes, gently he'll come. Come coerce on. Ray into come crossing on, the road? Raymond. We're crossing come the road on, with Raymond. We've got three seconds. We've got three seconds. Three seconds. To get across the road. Thank you. See, I'm not. I, I don't jaywalk. You see, <laughs> I, it drives my wife mad. But even if there's no cars, I kind of tend to wait for the green man. <laughs> So if Ray's not going to budge and I'm not going to budge, this is going to be the only static version of your podcast you've ever done. <laughs> Come on, Raymond. Oh, look at his little legs. Oh, look. I know, he's got really little legs, Dave. That's why I chose him, because I've got quite small legs. <laughs> I will say I've got a sort of... Um, I like dogs with Maradona proportions. <laughs> a low centre of gravity yeah, is what you look yeah, for in exactly. your canine companions. That's so is enough. this your... I should, I should introduce you properly. I'm with the very wonderful... Dave Berry on Walking the Dog and Dave is, well you'll know him as a radio host, award-winning radio host, Thank you. TV presenter. I'm going to start slipping you these notes, you better start reading them out loud Emily. <laughs> Journalist as well. Yes, do a little bit of writing, yeah. 
ex-model, or maybe current model, have I insulted you? No, you're very, very, very ex-model, but <laughs> that hasn't been brought up in many years, so thanks again for that. Oh, well, um, look forward yeah, to it, it coming it was a up different a lot time. today. It was a different time. And, uh, yeah, it's hard when people, when people say to you, oh, you are a model. Do you feel pressured when people say that to you? Because it's like, oh, well, I haven't sh shaved this morning. And... <laughs> yeah. No, I think, uh, well, the, the modelling stuff, I was working in a vintage clothes shop in the in the late 90s and um, uh, I just kind of I think I you know I'm no David Gandhi but I think I just had a look that was quite popular at the time oh, I yeah. think it's I suppose the equivalent would be nowadays you see a lot of um, male models who are effectively just blokes with beards and tattoos <laughs> David Gandhi was a guest on this podcast because he's a massive dog lover yes he is he's uh, he's often photographed holding a pooch isn't he's, he? he's yes that's not a euphemism <laughs> He, he has Dora, who we got from Battersea Dogs Home, and... Uh, I love that about David Gandhi. It's kind of, not, not for everybody, but in the eyes of many, bordering on being the perfect man, and then just when you thought it couldn't get any worse for the rest of us, he starts photographing himself holding little dogs. It's like, come on, Gandhi. Give us a break, will you? I wonder if uh, that was ever said to Mahatma Gandhi. Come on, Gandhi. Come Give on, us Gandhi. a break, will you? Give us a break. You You're know, clearly well educated, and we know an eye for an eye is going to make the world blind, but come on, Gandhi. Give us a break, mate. Come on. But you know, uh, I saw David Gandhi, I don't want to talk about him all the time, but no, no, he, um, he put something on Twitter yesterday where he tried to hail a cab, and the cab hadn't stopped, and he said his picture was on it. There was a picture of him on the cab, <laughs> and it still hadn't stopped for him. Um, do you you don't, do you have a dog or a cat? I don't have a dog. For the record, we do plan to get a dog when <gasps> Evie gets a bit older, and, and the dog shall be called Terry Wogan the dog. Oh, what, so actually the full name the dog? Terry, Terry Wogan, Wogan the, the dog. dog. And we'll call him Wogie for sure. And what sort of dog do you think you'd get, Dave? Chocolate brown Labrador. <gasps> Just to complete the sickening rom-com story. And he'll have a little neckerchief instead of a collar. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> McDreamy in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. McDJ. And I'll just be out in the garden building a log cabin and then <laughs> all the kids will come home and they'll all play with Terry Wogan the dog. <laughs> no, I, uh, and I, do you I grew love up dog? with dogs. Did dogs. you? Did your parents have dogs then? Yeah, we what had, dogs did you have? We had uh, my beloved, beloved Bruno, oh. named after Frank Bruno, who in the 80s was basically the well the coolest thing in the world I've not got an interest in boxing but I loved Rocky and Frank Bruno yeah. and Rocky in my mind merged oh, into one dang. he was our Rocky and what kind of dog was he? he was get this so his mum or dad was a German shepherd oh. so police dog but his the other one was a chow so he looked like a police dog, but was ginger with a curly tail these are two of my favourite dogs yeah well Bruno was a adorable a German chow just, just adorable, and we had, and he was so docile and so well behaved. We had a cat called Rocky, who was the exact opposite, and um, regularly used to see Bruno. Just he was a big dog, just walking around the house, and Rocky would have sunk his claws into Bruno's snout and used him like an Uber. It's like he'd book Bruno to go up to the bathroom, or I'm going up to going up to Bob and Marion's bed for a lay down. Take me upstairs, dog. And Bruno would be like, okay, I'll take you up there now. We used to go out into the conservatory where their, their beds were, yeah. and Rocky would be like splayed out in Bruno's bed like that, and there'd be, there'd be Bruno with just like one paw in Rocky's bed. I'm sleeping too. I love them, do you know? I think they're such a lovely, and they're so lovely with kids as well, dogs. Oh, I think it's such a lovely part of a family experience. I really want you Agreed. to get one. 
We will. You promise me you will? As soon as I get one, you will be the first person to know. So, we'll go <laughs> into the park, Dave. Yes. Rain might get hot, so we'll find a shady bit. Absolutely. But you've just finished your breakfast show today. I have, yes. Friday. How did it go? This is on Absolute Radio, because Dave and I are stable mates, We are we? stable mates on Absolute Radio, and it's a fine stable to be in. It went very well today. Today was one of the shows I kind of classes. It was whimsical, it flew by. I often get that sense of, was that any good? <laughs> That's kind of my feeling around 10 past 10 every morning. As I leave, I think, was that any good? And this is why I, I do love doing, one of the reasons I love doing a breakfast show is when I first became your stable mate, yeah. I was doing the home time Which show. Which was, and how long have you been there? It was last year, about, wasn't it? That about, you... Yeah, um, 18 months. Yeah. But I was doing the home time show and I just, having that length of time before going on air just gave me too much thinking time. It gave me too many opportunities to second guess whether something was going to be any good. Whereas I quite, like, I quite like the fact that at you know, 6am in the morning, I'm on, I'm What's... live, and I kind of come up for air about half ten and um, Sorry, think about Dave. whether it was any good. i just seen Ray had picked something up. Oh, I, was, I thought Ray had just had a puppy. <laughs> That's the, fur that's the furry bit off the mic, right? Rain, you're a miracle of modern science. So yeah, you were saying that's interesting. So you prefer, it's a, is it a bit more seat of pants then doing Precisely. the breakfast show? Precisely, and as I say, I, I finish- And you do it with Matt Dyson. I do it with Matt Dyson, I do it with Glenn Moore and Emma Jones. They're my three on-air buddies. Yeah. Like yourself and Frank, it's nice to have other people to talk to and bounce off. It's always been one of my... I have so much respect for the, the radio DJs who um, sit on their own in the studio. Yeah. And do, do that style of show. It's not something I'm able to do. I like to have... I like to get as many listeners on as I possibly can. I like to get as many correspondence from them or get them on the show or get the opinions and stories of the team. It's just how I feel most comfortable working. And that's, you know, one of, that was one of the big draws about joining Absolute Radio was just that was kind of what our lovely boss, Paul, was wanting to encourage. Yeah. And of course, you know, there's some really good names. Your show is fantastic. Thank you Frank very Skinner, much. Frank Skinner, you know, celebrating yeah. 10 years on there just the other day. Yeah. Just well, I, I, you know, it's interesting having learnt with Frank because that's might be my own experience of radio. Right, okay. So it's quite a high bar, just in terms of him. Not, I'm not going on about our show, but I just mean, he always has. That was top Ray scooping, by the way. I know, I scooped him you've, up. You've scooped, you've scooped Ray before, Look. I can tell. <laughs> I held him like a Chanel bag. <laughs> but um, Frank has this idea, and I think this is something I'm aware of in your show as well that you can't waste links. You know, you've got to make them funny or you've got to or even if you're coming up with ideas but what you the kind of radio that I think he's really not keen on is that it's uh, 12.44 coming up beautiful sunny day in London here's Whitesnake you know and Frank yeah. says you may as well just say blah 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 <laughs> yeah I, 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 I kind of agree and as I say I, I have a I have a respect for people that do that because I wouldn't want to be don't respect them in... Dave <laughs> they're not worthy of I your wouldn't... respect you're an interesting funny man I wouldn't want to be in a room on my own telling everyone the time. <laughs> and they're listening to, here I go again on my own. <laughs> oh, let's go in here. We can take it. Yeah, this is, this is nice. Um, I don't know what Ray's like around birds, but there are plenty of birds in the Regent's Park. 
Ray, Ray, look at all these birds. There's this one particular lady who feeds them and whenever I see her, it's time to walk in the opposite direction <laughs> because they know. And then oh, it's beautiful here, pretty, isn't it? Dave? It's so beautiful. It's kind of all the spring flowers are out. Ray, There's good Ray. boy. Why is he called Raymond? Where did that come from? Well, it's funny you should ask that because there are two reasons. I like the idea of a sort of old pub regular's name. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're talking to a Dave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Dave okay, is a great... I know exactly what you mean. Dave is a great dog name. I met... Yeah. Uh, I was on a dog walk recently with uh, someone and he... It was Nihal, Arthur Nayaka, and he... Oh, I love Nihal. Isn't he lovely? Yes, yeah, I listened to a, a part, a part of that podcast, but I got distracted by my baby, unfortunately. <laughs> but it, it started off really well. I was enjoying what I'd heard. Well, he... I did... Um, sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, go on. I did... Um, Nihal contacted me uh, many years ago and said, yeah. would I be... He was on the BBC Asian Network. And he said, would I be their football correspondent for a fo- for a game? I think it was like Fulham-Wigan. Oh, yeah. And, I, and it would tick a life box for me and love Nihal, so I decided to do it. And um, him and the team, because I could only hear them through the, the headphones, mm. they'd given me an honorary Asian name and I was Davinda Burry for the broadcast. <laughs> Which I prefer to my own name. Hey, Ray. Dave, I'm going to put Ray on the lead just because those geese look I, quite That was big. why I warned you. I, as you I say, think? I wasn't joking. Well, I think this is nice for him. It's like going through a safari park, <laughs> but we just don't want the lions Should to... Should we put the Jurassic through... Park music gently <laughs> under this, Charlie? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was I saying about the heart? Oh, yeah, and yes, we kept so, being yes, stopped by... You know, you, you stop on dog walks. Obviously, people say, oh, what's the name? And this, I loved her. She was a bit of an old nana. And I said, what's your dog called? And she said, with no embarrassment or shame, she went, Jeff. <laughs> and it wasn't an ironic London sort of Hoxton name. She just went, Jeff. <laughs> well, would you, if you called your dog Jeff, would you yeah. spell it with a G or a J? Oh, I'd go G. You go G? I like Hurst. G. Mm. The original G. The original um, G. That's a good name for a dog. <laughs> or a fish. <laughs> For gold. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This isn't just any goldfish. This is the original G. The original G. What's his so, name so again? Ray- He's forgotten. He never remembers Ray- his name. Ray- <laughs> so Raymond. Ray- so Raymond is so-called, and there's, there's that funny reason, and there's a kind of poignant reason, which I don't... I feel I can share with you. I feel you'll be able to handle this without being too old-school man. And, oh, don't talk about emotions, because you don't strike me as that type of person. So my sister, who died, was called Rachel, and we lived in Australia briefly. And you know what they're like in Australia? They was like, oh, Ray, they shorten everything. They'd even shorten Dave to da. <laughs> so they shortened her to Ray. So I thought it was a nice way for her girl. She had a 10-month, uh, 11-month-old and a 10-year-old, and she died. So I thought it was a nice way to sort of honour her without... As Adam Hills once said to me, he said, without it being too confronting, which I thought was a nice way of putting nice it, you know. It means it. that, yeah. Well, that's so, lovely, Emily. Yeah, I thank you. And it's also a great name for a dog. I know, it's so yeah, brilliant, so it works it? on every level, that's I lovely. I know, right? So, Dave, I want to go back to your childhood. Tell me about your childhood. <laughs> you, were you born in Lewisham or you grew up round there? I was born in Lewisham Hospital. Yeah. Um, I grew up in... I lived in Catford very briefly for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and then. But I've spent my life growing up in Cholton, which is kind of nestled between Greenwich and Blackheath and Woolwich and Lewisham. It's in that kind of part of town. Yes, I say you say Lewisham. 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 Is that how the locals pronounce it? I think so. Is it? That's how Rob Beckett and I say it. <laughs> 
also as well, my my wife has pointed out, and I, and it's become. I'm very self-conscious of it, and we were talking about this on the show the other day. But and this, you know, I'm 40, but I, so I've gone my whole life without knowing that I can't say wall. <laughs> and whenever I say wall, my wife goes wall, like I'm like I'm Danny Dyer, which is you know. Well, which I, I don't really. I mean, you know, Danny's lovely and great, but I don't want to. But I, but I realise that where I trip up is Lucian, Greenwich and Wall. Do you know what? Ironically, the people who can't pronounce Wall tend to be Millwall supporters. Millwall, yes. Who, of course, are bitter rivals to my beloved Charlton Athletic. I know, right. And that's another one, Charlton. Charlton. That's that there. I'd say Charlton. Yes, well, that's correct, Emily. And it's well said. Oh, look. Can you oh, see what's happened nice. here, Dave? Yeah. You can explain. There's a little boy and Ray is making his way over to the little boy who's wearing adorable little green khaki trousers and a polo top. And he looks half interested, a little bit scared. I like that little boy's outfit. He looks a bit like Bill Gates on a day off. <laughs> He's got billionaire, <laughs> billionaire Sunday chic down. To, you know to that sort of look? It's the polo. Oh, um, I oh, think Ray, Ray might be... Uh, Oh, I'm so sorry he's doing a poo, guys. What, a, what an intro to some new friends, Ray. <laughs> so, what, your son's going to need therapy, I know. I'm sorry you saw Ray poo. Uh, you thought... I, Ray, this looks like a Disney character, but Disney characters don't crouch down and do a big poo. But he's a very lovely boy. Yeah, if Mickey Mouse ever did that at Euro Disney, there'd be all kinds of legalities we'd have to look into. Come on, Raymond. He likes it here because it's shady. Yeah. Um, so, so, Lucian. Yeah, so that's how I believe you would say Lucian, and that's the Rob Beckett test. Um, and that's um, Dave Berry Wall's official. So, um, yeah, so I, I grew up in Cholton, and it was, um, it was a lovely place to grow up. I was lucky to have some, uh, what I can now look back at as an adult and realise I had some really nice, uh, comprehensive schools that I attended. Still got some friends that I made there. And it's your, your dad was in construction, is that right? Or have I got that wrong? No, dad worked for, um, hey Ray, dad worked for Thames Water. Oh, Thames Water. Most of his, um, yes, and then he um, moved to, uh, basically, you know those, you know those really, those times when you're trying to make your way around and um, some idiot has decided to dig a hole in the pavement. Yes. And then you say something like, oh, that's just so they can use up the council budget. They've got to dig that hole there. They're putting speed ups in because they've got to get their budget up. You know, you know that? Yes, well, my I say dad's that a man who told them to dig that hole. <laughs> He's retired now, but yeah, so um, he would. Um, and what did your mum do? Mum uh, was a um, doctor's receptionist before retiring. Okay. And um, my little sister, Katie. What are your parents called? Uh, Bob and Marion. Lovely. Um, Very Rob Marion's Brydon, my dad. <laughs> Bob's my mum. Um, and my little sister Kate works in um, works in a city. She works in a uh, for a legal company doing something I don't fully understand. And would you describe your family as? It feels like a funny question, but sort of working class or middle class or? I think, yeah, we were. I think well, I think I would say we we're a working class family. Yeah. Um, I think that you know uh, we didn't um, didn't have a great deal of money, but I think mm. they both, mum and dad, had working class jobs. But we, I don't think we ever felt we went without. Sorry, Dave, we're having to wait for Ray. Yeah, that's okay. I'll wait for Ray. He's only got little legs, I love him. He's being very slow today. Come on, Ray, Ray. Oh, look at him. Um, um, but yeah, but we, uh, you know, we didn't didn't want for anything. 
and um, you know, it was happy upbringing really. Was it a lively household? Was it, you know, were your parents sort of jokey? And yes. Yeah, they, as well, my, my parents seem to be, and I don't, of a generation, I think this is a generational thing, where they didn't really go out with their friends. They, we yeah. go to each other's houses. Right. I know that, that you know, our generation do that as yeah, well. Yeah, But we Can never... Can I just say we, I love that Dave Berry said our generation, most generous thing he's ever done. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, go uh, on. But I mean, I know obviously we go around to our friends' houses and have dinners, but, you know, you arrange to meet people possibly somewhere out or at a restaurant you make a reservation whereas my parents always seem to have house parties where then my little sister and I would wake up in the morning um, put all of the records um, try and match them up with the correct sleeves while my parents were hung over in bed and occasionally a very young Dave Berry could be seen sipping some leftover <laughs> alcohol on the coffee table so uh, yeah I basically blame my parents for my dependency on alcohol which is a uh, and did shame. you it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think people often show some signs of having what I call the look at me gene when they're young. You know, what I mean by the look at me gene is anyone in working in an area where there's performance involved. Well, there's a, there's a, from a psychological point of view, it's considered odd wanting to, to be seen. And I think they're absolutely right. Do you think so? It is strange. I wasn't, Some people I, I say, wasn't, Dave, and, yeah. and I can say this because I do a job which involves being performing in a way. Or Some people say it's a sign of damage. Yes, damaged people. What do you think of that? Um, I, t I, don't, I don't know, really. I, I think I, 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 don't, I wasn't a look-at-me kind of kid. Yeah. I think I got look at me <laughs> when I got to possibly like 17 or 18. Yeah. But only because I enjoyed, that was when I was a sales assistant and I enjoyed the performance of like how busy it was in Greenwich because of the market on a Sunday. There'd just be hundreds of people coming through the shop doors and engaging with them and yeah. getting them, you know, particularly as it was vintage clothing. So everything was like a one-off and the excitement of getting into that dialogue with them. I enjoyed that kind of style of performance. But then after that, if I'm brutally honest with you, as soon as I got into TV, it was just like, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. Right, <laughs> It's right. not about, look at me. It's like, you know, oh wow, that was great fun. And I got to go there and I got to meet this person and I got to do this today. There's Did a kind of moment things... where you're like, oh, this is now my job. And that's been, Unbelievably, it's been like but 18 did you do, years. Did you do things when you were growing up? Like, you know, you hear often you'll speak to actors and they'll tell you stories about how they would put on, you know, the Emily Dean show or whatever at Christmas <laughs> and make everyone watch it. Do you know what I mean? Was, were you that kind of kid? No, I, what, still to this day, a dear family friend, Jodie, who basically there was, there was Jodie, there was myself and my little sister. And Jodie was in charge because, of course, when you're young, this counts. And because she was a whole calendar month older than me. Yeah. So that made her the boss. Yeah. And she was always very keen for us to put on performances. And um, we'd have to, like, rehearse them in the bedroom all evening. And then we'd go down to my mum and dad, her mum and Keith, and we'd have to put on a little show. I had this, listen to this, this makes, even now it's making parts of me crawl up inside myself with embarrassment. I had this spaceship toy and it came on like a handle, almost like a kind of, like a gun handle, I suppose, but it yeah. had a spaceship on the top instead of a barrel. 
and you would pull the handle and the spaceship would glow up green and go and one particular performance which is still to this day you can see I'm blushing right yeah you are you look genuinely really well, I, had to, I had to crouch down in the middle of the, of the front room where my parents and others were sat around having dinner in a ball <laughs> with this spaceship and then I had to go pull the handle and then I, I had to kind of grow and at which point Jodie and my sister jumped out from behind the sofa and we all did an impromptu dance routine <laughs> If I ever hear a sound similar to vroom, it just sends shivers down my spine. It's like the girl from The Ring is crawling up my spine and over my head. It's, like, it's around me, isn't it? Like a bicycle chain will just set me off. Oh, God, I, I love have these anxiety that. dreams. I forgot on my steps. <laughs> Jodie's going to get me. So, I mean, yeah, so I was kind of coerced into doing, yeah. doing stuff. I, I'm very lucky, I suppose, because I had a... My sister's only 18 months younger than me. Right. So we were, we were close growing up. And, um, I mean, I'm a father now, but... Evangeline is only five months old, so I don't know this because this might be a generational thing. But you hear people talk of how in the 80s you could just go out and yeah. walk around on a wreck and you'd yeah. find a derelict house and that would become your playground for the day. I had that kind of going on. A friend of mine, Alex, he said that, that he, he believes as children, imagination is such a key building block to the person you become as an adult. Right. And possibly, and I know that there was gaming when we were young, Possibly, people are having that taken away from them in their, yeah, in their, in their infancy. True. I think that's with, with true. The, the, the people are talking about screen time and yeah. you know, the amount of time you spend on an iPad, as opposed to turning that cardboard box into a fort for yeah. argument's sake. Um, that said, cut to three years from now and eventually he's crying, I'm just forcing <laughs> Apple products into her. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? It's there. We can't uninvent it. We at school, Dave. Mm. I mean. Good-looking men always get embarrassed when you say this. Oh, David man. Gandhi did, but did you have a sense of being handsome? <laughs> no, <laughs> Emily. <laughs> no, I didn't have a sense of being handsome. I thought. I think. I don't. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't seen David Gandhi as a teenager. I doubt he was the man mountain, unless there was him turning up for his maths GCSE in those little <laughs> white Dolce and Gabbana speedos. <laughs> David, go home and put some trousers on for heaven's sake. No, I was, I was a, I had a spotty teenage kid, really. But then I suppose you have to say that, because you can't say, I was really hot and all the girls Oh, no, really if I was, I would, I would tell you. If I would have been hot, I would be saying it right now, Emily. Don't you worry about that. But no, would I was you just... Though? Because actually, you must have got attention. I accept when you're sort of pubescent, everyone struggles a bit, don't they? But you must have been aware of starting to get attention from women or being looked at a bit. I just saw about four people check you out just now. Three male, but you know, yes, that's yeah, your demographic. Well, yeah. <laughs> as long as I've got a marketplace, Emily, I'm happy. So to me, they have this thing, don't they, called the bubble, which is that you live in the bubble. So people are just that bit nicer to you. Oh, right. If you're attractive or famous or do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 I suppose there is an element of a bubble, yeah, particularly for, for famous famous folk did you have that sense of people seem to people seem to think i'm attractive or I, well, did you never think of it like that I, see, I i i recall i recall borrowing i had a, a lot of female friends when i got to 16 ish yeah and i remember borrowing one of my dad's hawaiian shirts which is the boldest move any 16 year old in southeast london has ever made and I put it on and I went round, it was the summer holidays, I went round to my friend's house and they were like, you look 
You look great. Cut to a year later, I'm working in a vintage clothes shop. That's, that's how fickle I can be. I look good in this shirt. Right, I'm going to dedicate my life to working in second-hand clothing. Um, but that, you know, that, that felt good, and I've always yeah. felt quite comfortable talking to, to girls, even at, at that age. Did you? So I suppose that helps. I suppose were you academic at school, and what... Were you happy at school? Were you sort of popular? Um, were you... What gang were you in, I always ask? I, was, I think I was... I think I was multi-team, I'd like to say. I think that, that on the whole, um, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a nice group of friends who were quite learned. I didn't really, I liked my friends at school. I didn't have a tough time at secondary school. I feel fortunate about that. You I never got bullied had, or anything like that? No, I got bullied when I was at junior school in the final year and it's, it was a horrible, horrible feeling. What um, sort of thing was it? Oh, just, I just remember that it seemed to be, it felt at the time, I mean, I was 10 or 11 and, you know, I wouldn't say it's exactly something that defined me, but I do remember when I had that long summer holiday after junior school, before I joined my secondary school, being determined that I would not let that happen again. Why Which, do you think they did that then, Dave? What, just because... I have, I, I have absolutely, because kids are cruel. Yeah. Kids can be that way, like, you know, it's, it's strange. I mean, it's funny, you watch something like First Dates, and there'll be somebody on there who has let, let the fact they were bullied when they were 10 define their whole life, that, like that's your story. And in a way, I'm envious of those people because, not envious, but life can be extremely difficult, Emily, as you know. Yeah. And kids can be cruel and you can't let the decisions that children made when you were a child be your first dates. Yes. Sad story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can see that. But bullying is tough, and you know, bullying, is, you know, in the workplace, and it, it's horrible. And I was determined that that wouldn't kind of happen again. But fortunately, I, I didn't have to be that determined because I, I fell in with a really nice bunch of people. But I got to when I, when I got to my, I would talk in class and all that stuff that you would probably right. imagine. Yeah. But when I got so close to my GCSEs. I realised that I was falling behind and I sat with my teacher and I said, look, what do I need to do to go to A-levels? And he says, you need to get five GCSEs A to C. So what I did, which I wouldn't recommend to any younger people who have downloaded your podcast, Emily, but what <coughs> I did, which I thought was quite a smart move, was I kind of cut, I, I focused on five subjects. Right. And I cut the others out because I was way behind. Yeah. And I ended up getting five Bs, three Ds and two Es. The three Ds and two Es were, well, if you can call it luck. But I, I quite, I quite, I look back at that and think that there was a lot, there was some logical thought to that. It's quite from, a business from a teenager approach me. to that. It's almost like, okay, what's the, what's my bottom line? Yeah, it was almost cutting your losses as well. As soon as I started to put the work into English, history, music, theatre studies, the five that I got a B in, two for English, I really enjoyed those subjects. But the other thing that was about about that time which I remember vividly is that it was it was driven by the fear of all of my friends going to A-level and having that adventure and I, and I my old school asked me to go back and, and, and do a little talk for the pupils and I was going to kind of anchor it around that because I didn't want to go back and pretend that I was some straight A student because that would be disingenuous but I wanted to anchor it around the fact that your friends are going to go on this incredible adventure and they're going to meet new people and you you should be part of that if you can yeah. Give yourself the option. My, the former head teacher said that I wasn't allowed to do that. He wanted me to say that I was a straight A student. I kind of 
I suppose I get well, where he's coming from. I went but... back to my old school to give a talk and I could see the headmistress sitting there go, oh, I mean, it played. Well, I stormed it with the girls, references to Love Island. Oh, I said I was like that contestant in Love Island that you're like, why are they still in? Oh, look, Ray's met a friend, Dave. Where is, oh, he's obscured by his new friend. Oh. <laughs> that happens to me a lot, especially when I hang out with Stephen Merchant. <laughs> What's happening right now is a man has just stripped himself naked to the waist. I'm, I'm pleased to say from the waist up. Um, and he's laying back, listening to the music, wearing those, I think one of the biggest crimes against fashion, those wraparound Oakley sunglasses. And um, Ray went know, charging towards him. He's also keeps looking up from his laying position, thinking why those three people stood around commenting on what I'm doing. He's probably thinking, why you can't get a life? And my brand of sunglasses. <laughs> Which I always describe those glasses, I know exactly what you mean. It's a bit um, close protection at a royal wedding. <laughs> if you could read this badge, you're already yeah. dead, yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit um, I think, probably a junior member of the royal family. Like, when I say junior, sort of Captain Mark, one of those, the one younger. Those. Yes. Harry might wear them. Harry you know? probably would have worn them in about 2003. Yeah. Along with boot-cut jeans. Bootcut jeans and those trainers that have got no soul. You know those slip-on like taekwondo trainers. <laughs> anyway, Frank calls those. Look Jeez. at that. Oh, I don't like this crow raven thing. I told you, thing. beware the birds. I'm, I know I was getting all Hitchcocky in on you, but beware Let's the pick birds. Let's up. In he it. had his eye on Ray, and you know crows attack do um, little oh. dogs. I'm um, getting a sense you let. Did you go to university? No, I got to. I went to. I went. <laughs> I did. I went to do A levels, mm. and um, I. <laughs> I, I basically saw somebody, I won't name her and embarrass her, but she was the most beautiful woman I'd ever seen. So I queued up behind her and did her A-levels. <laughs> what, you mean you copied her choices? Yeah, I saw her. We went to the hall where you sign up to, to, to uh, Crown Woods and I saw her and I was What's like, Crown Woods? That's Crown the... Woods is uh, 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 where people do their A-levels. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a college in, in Eltham in South London. Oh, okay, I know, yeah. Um, so I went there because... Um, you know, my friend had decided to go there, so I, I, I went on. But yes, I got there and she was in the hall. So I queued up. <laughs> Luckily, she did drama and English, but then I ended up doing sociology and photography as well, all in the name of love. Inspired by her, and then you never saw her since. Uh, no, well, we, we dated for a while, and then, um, and then again, it's strange, but the girl in question, her best friend, ended up dating a football player. A youth academy player. We're, right. all, we're all 17. Yeah. And um, he, would, he would spoil her with gifts because even then, your academy football players at Premier League clubs yeah. are on, you know, £1,000 a week or whatever it would have been yeah. back then. They'll get you some nice knockoff on Marnie. Well, well, yeah, it got, it got her friend lots of nice gifts and I felt like I was kind of not pulling my weight in that respect. So I got a job at Next the high street retailer but then they started to kind of offer me more shifts and I kind of quite I quite enjoyed the working environment I enjoyed having some money not a great deal of money a sales assistance wages but it and then it became a, a choice of on Wednesday afternoon I've got double sociology or I can go and do a day's work yeah and some money and and it and that just kind of started to take take control we should say as well because I remember Sort of next was very much had that sense of it was when that kind of corporate chic look was in and suits and 
Do you know yeah. what I mean? It was, yeah. There was a shop called it, Blazer and it had that, it was that sort of vibe. It was like... It wasn't so, cool. Well, I think it was though, Dave. Well, Maybe I, it's not for being... what I was into at the time. I yeah. think it was more for a young professional. Right. As opposed to a 17-year-old college student. And what did your parents think of that? Do you think... Did think, they have an opinion on that? Were they saying, Dave, stay at school or...? I think they, I think they've, they've kind of all trusted my, my decision-making. But the... But the what happened was, and I suppose this is the, the, I consider this the kind of start of the, the modern era, the current Dave. Yeah. <laughs> was I, uh, again, to impress a girl, yeah. decided to go and get a tattoo, which as everybody who was around uh, my age in the late 1990s will be fully aware, was a set of Chinese symbols. Oh yes, was this sort of Spice Girls Cantonese era? writing. Or was this 90s This then? was late 90s and I, I got them done. My, my friend's cousin did them for me above a kebab shop in Plumstead. So it was all very hygienic. I still have them to this day. I wrote an article for The Guardian about them. The oh, tattoo, yes. that, the day that changed I think my I read life. That, yeah. But I went, I got it done in my lunch break. And when I went back to... Where well, you went next? Yeah, when time. I went back to next, I had to wear a white shirt. I was um, showing this woman a pair of shoes that she was interested in and I started to bleed through my shirt. And she uh, let out a yelp, and given a few other, I must admit, misdemeanours, um, my boss, she said that it was, um, it was all over for me. And that was, uh, that was when I ventured down into Greenwich and, and met the partners in business and in love that are Ian and Ian, who ran a wonderful little vintage clothes shop called The Observatory. Yeah. And that was the kind of real game changer for me. And they introduced me to, to like so much cool music and their, their passion for, I mean, their passion for 1950s French workwear is unrivaled. Right. <laughs> so did you think you were going to go into fashion originally, Dave? I or, or the sort of retail? I would have been, I would have been happy to, to do that. That was certainly, that was certainly um, part of my thinking. And then the, the shop next door to, to that shop, a shop called Bullfrogs, um, I, I kind of moved there where I was a, uh, I was a buyer. Yeah. And a manager. During that period, people people would come into the shop, and they it would turn out they were the fashion editor of Arena or something, for example. Yeah. And they would say, you know, would you would you like, you know, could we take a photograph and stuff? Of you. Of me, yeah. Oh, and that's <laughs> how you shop, got. Which is very salty. <laughs> you like the way I said it. Of you. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Yeah, you have every right to. Um, that was the appropriate reaction, Emily. Is um, that how you got into modelling then? Yeah. Well. Yes, basically, and then, um, and then, so I, I did a little bits, and they were genuinely just small little bits, but I quite enjoyed it. And then tying this whole thing in a neat little bow, when my friends got their A levels, what the tradition in that part of the world is, you'll go up onto Blackheath, opposite a pub called the Prince of Wales, and you take your own quarter bottle of vodka and your own orange juice and stuff, yeah, and you sit around in little groups and you chat away and get drunk and celebrate your A levels. And I got. Um, I went up to join my friends to congratulate them on their A-levels and I got um, scouted by oh, a modelling really? agent. And, um, and so it began... And what, did they just come up to you and give you a card? And, yeah, yeah. And you think, oh my God, well, it was nice knowing you, Kidney. You know, that, that's what I would sort of think. <laughs> Not that it would ever happen to me. Yeah, I, I backed away from the groups and I don't need to know you anymore. Did your, did your mates sort of take the piss out of you a bit? When you, did you feel at all... I'm only saying that because I think of the world you grew up in in a way and mm. you mentioned Rob and I think of it as 
I don't know, I'm just saying, I think now saying you're going to be a model, I think we live in a different culture where everyone will be like, oh yeah, that's cool. Whereas mm. I can imagine back then it being a bit more like, oh, what are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Mm. That, that, that you might have the piss taken out of you a bit. I was, I, I was okay. I, I mean, genuinely, I've got such a, a great group of friends. I remember once I, I, was, I hosted a, a live TV show on MTV. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember that some, some guy I'd been to college with was planning on, this was his plan, was to get in the audience and like abuse me from the audience for a, and it would be a laugh. That's yeah. how he pitched it into my, into the, my, my genuine friends. He was yeah. kind of, and uh, I found out about this years later and it was really nice because my friends were like, why would we want to do that? Dave's doing really well for himself. Yeah. It's great that he's, he's doing yeah. this. Why would we want to go and do that, you idiot? And does it <laughs> and I was really, And that was kind of the... And we've always supported each they other, after whatever you. we do. And, you know, we've all had adventures and misadventures, but we're, what, we do what friends do. And I know that in a... Traditionally, I suppose, in a blokey way, yeah. there can be a bit of that. And obviously, we do rib each other, but we've always... In the main, it's always been a very supportive... It's network. interesting that bloke doing that because I think what happens there, and he's probably a perfectly nice bloke, but it's similar to what happens on Twitter and it's something that everyone experiences who puts their work out into a public forum in any sense is a dehumanisation, I think, of you. So in that instant, he had, even though he knew you and he had dehumanised you because he was seeing you as, and it doesn't matter, mm. all, all the gloves are off. Mm. So he thought, well... He's doing that. He's fine. He can take anything. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that I don't know exactly what you mean. I, I mean, I find it, you know, obviously we all have to... What, pe pe people who aren't even in the public eye have to put up with atrocious abuse um, yeah. on social media. And it's, it's terribly sad. And going back to the, the spell I had of being bullied, I just... And now being a dad, I just think that social awareness savvy for my daughter and for other kids has got to be... It's got to be top of the list with don't get into strangers' cars and don't touch that, it's hot. I mean, I think mm. that's the kind of world that we're, we're living in. It can be such a, a dangerous place. People at you into this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, there's a difference between, like, I hate the breakfast show with Dave Berry yeah. to at Dave Berry underscore tweet, I hate your breakfast show. <laughs> do people ever do that? Because people there's, do it to me sometimes. Yeah. I, but I think Because what, as you say, it's because it's a dehumanisation. De and it's not, I don't blame them because I think we do that in our culture a lot. And when, you know, I think with things like X Factor, we created slowly, I think we started turning human beings, with reality TV especially, into pantomime characters. Mm. And I think that's dangerous culturally because well, we've, we've seen we've seen it with, with Love Island, and there's been yeah. some genuine tragedies there, and people coming forward and just saying there isn't, and this isn't only Love Island, of course, but there isn't just the, the right amount of aftercare for people. There's another thing: people who don't actually talk into their phones but use them on loudspeaker. He's a strange. You character. see people walking along with their phone out like this, like they're almost like they're presenting it. <laughs> it is I, and I have a mobile phone. Okay, mate, yeah, it's 2019. Well done. <laughs> Bravo. Why don't, you put, why don't you turn the speaker off and put it to your face? Get some headphones. So after you... So the modeling... I'm trying to complain about Love Island here, mate. He's probably opening an orphanage yeah. in Rwanda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you're doing something worthwhile, are you? Okay, yeah. Well, good luck with your orphans. Probably I've just been spotted shouting good luck with your orphans in the park. <laughs> I haven't been in the spotted section of Heat magazine in like 10 years. What a way to make my triumphant return. Um, but, but we, you know, we love what we do. As I said to you just earlier Speak on, I feel... No, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I feel really blessed to, 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 do, to do this for a living. It's just fantastic, right? 
we've been building into this. We get it. You know, we understand it. It's sad that someone feels prompted that they have to message yeah. into you. When you're suddenly, you become as famous as those people do. Vastly more yeah. famous than... Yeah, 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 yeah. Than people who have been struggling as broadcasters or musicians or actors for years. You know, even I'm guilty of it, and I, I, I'm in this. I know how it works. And I mean, I'm not... A, and I don't mean to sound like one of those tossers who goes, oh, I don't watch X Factor. It's genuinely just not for me. I, I'm not a fan of the, the, that kind of television. But... I've, I've come away from watching programmes like First Dates and f- felt like I've, I hate someone. Mm, <laughs> like, mm. oh, that person's an idiot. Oh my God, I'm really wound up by that person. It's like, I, I, don't know, I don't know that person. They've come across badly on the 10 minutes of television that they've done, you know, and why, am I, why do I feel so emotive? Well, it becomes a projection of a stuff in your own life, doesn't it? I think as well. You know, and it's easier to fixate. That's what we had the Royal Family for, I suppose, for so long, is to fixate on other people and play out your own dramas and experiences through others. You know, I hate that person. Normally, as it reminds me of my dad, who I don't have a great relationship with. You know, it can be something like that. I wanted to ask you about the modelling then. So did you, just to go back to that, did, was that your career then? Were you earning enough to, to do that as a full-time career, Dave? No, no. That was, that was again, a, a little bit like select your five favourite GCSEs. What, what I did was I, I made sure that my ducks were in a row and my, I, I was 21 and I said to my employers, I'm going to give this a go. It was the 1st of April 2000 was the year. I said, I'm going to give this a go. Um, if it all goes horribly wrong, which I have a feeling it will, can I come back and work here? And they said yes, and I was living at home with this my parents. This was to the vintage clothes people? This was to the shop yeah. next door bullfrogs. So, yeah. I, and I, I, so they said yes, and there were times during that period where I would go back and do a Saturday shift, or you know, which I always really enjoyed as well. I still dream, have fond dreams of, of being in there. Um, it's like the end of This Is Spinal Tap where he says, what would you do if you were doing this? I'd work in a shoe shop. What are the hours? Um, I... It's when he says, oh, a cha- or a chapeau shop. And it's like, why are you saying a chapeau? That's oh, such a lovely film. So, so, um, but, but yes, so I, but, and I lived at home with mum and dad, so I was, I, was, I was in a position where I was able to give it a go. And I had a couple of... I had a couple of half-decent jobs. What, what the modelling jobs? Yeah. A oh, tell of, me about those. A couple of things for, like, there was something for, like, a mobile phone company. There was something for, like, a music um, website, which um, this was before apps. Ask your parents. Um, and, and a couple of other little gigs. that They weren't amazing. But what happened was I got an audition at Nickelodeon, which is the kids' TV channel. Oh, look at this dog. Oh, hello, dog. Hello, gorgeous. Oh, that is cute. Oh, can you smell my treats? Can you smell my treats? On 0898. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's 0906 now, sorry, I don't think. Um, Um, The modelling thing, I don't know, I think there's something I would imagine about modelling where you're sort of inviting people to look at you, aren't you? Mm. And you've got a room full of people all taking pictures and screwing up. Were you comfortable with that? Yeah, I don't don't feel, I, I feel... I feel at ease in, in that. I felt at ease in that situation. I, I feel, you know, I don't know what, I don't know which part of me that switch is is in, but I, I you know, I feel, I feel completely relaxed. Yeah. On the radio and yeah, chatting into the mic and and stuff. It's strange, isn't it? Because everyone has their dream job and their idea of yeah. of hell, and often you might talk to a firefighter, you know, who's going into burning buildings to rescue people. Yet you ask him or her if they would want to throw the mics up and talk to the nation it's like no way yeah goodness no way i think what's given me um a, a, 
some kind of longevity. And I think what what was in my favour early on is I, I'm quite quite a nap. That was a jogger and... He's doing well. Keep going, my friends. Good for you. Good for you. That's great, though, isn't it? He sounded like the Groffalo. I know. (laughs) 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 I thought there was a bull behind me. (laughs) Raymond's attracting all the wildlife today, including a bull. Um, I think that I'm I'm as close to myself as I I can be. I think, apparently, which I only found out many years later, but what, what helped me now the job over the others who were you know, actual presenters. I hadn't done any of this it. This was when, with Nickelodeon, Nickelodeon, which was your first gig, yeah. But the, but so, you know, two possibly unlikely Nickelodeon presenters, it was me and Simon Amstel were the, um, were the two. So I did a bit with Simon and uh, that was fine. And um, I think that our contrasting styles mm. worked quite as nicely. But I heard some years later that what nailed it, the job for me, was how I interrupt, interacted, should I say, with the two puppets, Bogey and Rude the Reindeer. Because apparently a lot of the other people who auditioned would look at the puppeteer on the floor. And apparently, in my audition tape, I'm like playing with Rude the Reindeer's antlers and putting my arm on Bogey's shoulder. Again, available on uh, an adult channel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Rude the Reindeer's antlers. So, yeah, they they liked the fact that I was, you know, able to suspend. Yeah, yeah. I suppose like a child, really, like a giant child. But yeah. I suppose that, yeah, you were kind of embraced the experience. Embraced the experience. You went That's what I was it. struggling to, to find. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I embrace, I've been embracing the experience ever since. And did you, and so you moved into radio. I mean, Capital was, I mean, I, we should call it the other place, you know, not that I <coughs> know that much Sorry. about either of those schools, but apparently, you know, with Eton and Harrow, they don't even mention them by name. They call it the other place. <laughs> You went there originally, and you then went to XFM, and then you went back to... I was at XFM. Yes, that's right. Yeah, That's right. That I'm right. telling you, you know now your career trajectory. <laughs> so Capital, XFM, and then Capital, Capital before you went to Absolute. XFM, Capital, Absolute, yeah. Was your first breakfast show at XFM, or was it at...? No, I had a, I had a Saturday show on Capital, mm. which I did for quite a short amount of time, and they let me go. And that was because... Um, I basically would play the music that I wanted to hear. Mm. And I'm not that kind of DJ. I've never claimed to be, I'm not a Lauren Laverne. She does it brilliantly. And, I, you know, and I love those guys over at Six Music. It's, but it's not my, it's, it's not What my do you fault. mean that kind of DJ? I'm not, I'm not a muso DJ. I'm yeah. not, I don't, I don't want to unearth new bands and play white label stuff. You know, it's great and exciting for people. And, you know, I've got friends that do it, but it, that's not what You're I'm You're more into. of a communicator, would you say? Precisely. And, yeah. I, and I, So what, my point is, I'm not trying to pretend that, that I am that person. That's why I've kind of prefixed what I'm about to say with that. Yeah. But I would just put on the music I wanted to hear, and, I, you know, I don't want to be playing Take That. I wanted to be playing Arctic Monkeys. Right. <clears throat> it was as simple as that. So they, uh, they, were looking, they were looking in a different direction. But that's when XFM, who... Uh, the great XFM, the late great XFM, yeah, uh, scooped in, and they said, uh, "We hear that you would, you know, you liked playing Arctic Monkeys on a Saturday afternoon. Come and work for us." And mm. then my my dear friend Alex Zane, who was doing the breakfast show there, he'd he'd already put in a good word for me and told them that my credentials when it came to that kind of mm. thing were, you know, were um, bona fide, and I I made the move over, and I, I loved it there. It was. Um, I did a Saturday show, then I did the drive time show, then I did the breakfast show. 
Yeah, but we'll get in trouble if we say you love it too much because you ended up at Absolute. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I've never and been happier than I am now. Well, That's why I really? can say these things. Yeah, and I don't look at, look at it. I, I get your, your point about the other place, but I don't really see it like that. I had, I had some wonderful times there. I've met some lifelong friends. You know, many of those people were at my wedding and stuff. And, um, you know, I, and I didn't even, when I left and told them I was leaving, I didn't do it through my agent or any of that stuff. I wanted to yeah. sit with the bosses there and explain to them why I, was, why I was making the decision to leave and why it was so appealing to go to Absolute. And, you know, and I was open as honest with them as I could be. And I've just always been kind of grateful for the opportunity that they gave me. And, you know, Capital was, 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 you know, it was great fun, you know, but Did it, you, what do you love most about doing the breakfast show? Because people always say, you know, it's like, oh, getting up early and all that. And it's the usual sort of cliches, yeah. but it's a very high energy type of work, isn't it? But I totally buy into the energy of the morning. I love it. Like I bought into the fact that there's a, the kids want to be seeing me interacting with the puppet. I'm totally on, it's working with Matt Dyson every morning. Yeah. <laughs> He's my bogey. What helps with a, being a breakfast show host in the early mornings is not suffering from uh, what I believe is called FOMO, fear of missing out. I will happily turn the lights out and get into bed at 9 p.m. Really? Oh, absolutely. I've got no... Well, did you do a bit of partying in, I, in the I, I 90s? I have partied. I do yeah. party. I, I, I enjoy it. But I've, it's been a long time now since I've had any desire to go to, like, a pub or a club in the evening, to queue at a bar, to be, to be nestled up against other human beings, to be hemmed in at the urinal, to be pushing my way back to my table. I, that's how I... That's what comes to my mind when I think about going to the pub in the evening. And that my friend, is why it's so great doing a breakfast show. Have you got because let me tell you, London is mine. <laughs> I can dance and sing and walk into any pub and all the tables are available. You know why? Because it's 11.30am. Your no, but we did, partner, but, and I don't, uh, your wife, I don't know, am I allowed to name her? Yeah, of course, Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane. Yeah. I really have got the impression that you keep a very low profile with her, and so does she. Mm. There aren't, you know, she's not, there's not loads of pictures what of you. What are you saying? Passing. I'm making her up. <laughs> what are you saying, Emily? I'm married, okay, and I've got a baby. What he's, are you saying? I don't live on my own. <coughs> he's a fantasist. But I get the sense, I don't know if that was conscious, Dave, but it feels like you haven't sort of put it out there much. You know, your, your private life with her, you're not doing sort of spreads, coming to our beautiful no. home, etc., etc. No. Has someone who, if I'm honest, did have a sort of quite a, you know, there was public interest yeah. in you in the past and your, your romantic life. Was that a conscious decision, do you think, to keep that special and private? Um, I think so. My, my ex and I, who obviously was a member of Sugar Babes, which at the time was like the biggest selling girl band in the world or something like that, I don't know, um, who I'm still friends with and it's great. But I, she, was, she was the famous one. That was where I think, you know, the majority of the interest was was from a press perspective and the fact that her boyfriend happened to be on the TV which is probably just a little added dimension but so and I you know and now I just don't I just don't think anyone's interested Emily you know I I wouldn't want to do a photo plus my well, wife my that, wife hates could... my wife's not on Instagram or Twitter or but Facebook or any I mean. of that stuff she doesn't she's, she's not into it you know and she yeah. doesn't uh, the idea of us doing a shoot together makes us both come out in hives um, so we're, we're but do you think you like that in a way? Because it means you're able to keep your life, you know, like normally when high-profile people get married, there's pictures everywhere, there's, mm, but there's yeah. literally one grainy 
picture of your wedding, and <laughs> you can see the press a getting more frustrated. Took a grand for that. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I suppose what I'm saying is I yes. think that's a healthy sign of a healthy relationship, personally, because I, I agree. I agree, and we we are very much in love, and we love our daughter, and. I talk it sounds about, like you're reading the press release now. <laughs> <laughs> I talk. I talk about you know. <clears throat> I talk about my partner and, and our daughter a lot on the radio. I'm not trying to cloak, cloak us in you know surround us in secrecy or or anything or veil us in mystery. It, it's just I, I do talk about it on the show. But when it comes to posting pictures of us on holiday together and that stuff, it's just really not. But you our, don't want to be an Instagram couple, which no, is which is thing. fake anyway. You know. So, how did you know with your wife that you were going to marry her? And she was, you know, to use that slightly hackneyed phrase, but nevertheless accurate sometimes, the one, you know? Well, we, we'd, we'd always had a great deal of fun together. And then when I left the, so other, the other place... Were you mates with no, her? No, no, we, we, met, we instantly attracted to each other. But how did you meet her at work? No, I um, bought her and her friend a drink in a bar most old school way of meeting somebody. Um, and she came over to say thanks for the drink. Um, oh, she didn't drink it with you, I noticed. No, she was with a friend. <laughs> okay. And I, I had the drink sent over. You sent over. over a drink? You're such an old school gent. I bet you had a three-piece suit on as well. I was, kind of, I, was a, I was quite hanging, to be honest, and I was kind of... Well, what happened Were is... Were you with friends? That was quite a bold thing no, to do, No, I was do, on my Dave. own. You're joking. No. You were on your own. I do all my own. best work on my own, Emily. You were on your own, and you said, I like that girl, and you said to the waiter or the barman, can you send drinks over and to her? She was with a friend, so I said, yeah, send them both a drink, please. That's so bold. And then she came over to say thank you, and we ended up, um, we ended up chatting, and then her friend went home, and... Um, good wingman, wingwoman. Yeah, Claire, good wingwoman from Claire, and, um, we, uh, we, and we had a great deal of fun. But then when I left the other place um, to, to join Absolute Radio, I had... To, an enforced five months gardening leave. Yeah. And um, during that time, we decided to, we would go somewhere different each of the five months. And um, on holiday? On holiday, somewhere different. And we did a, a road trip across half of America. And um, she was, I was, you know, already in love with her, but she was so brilliant on that road trip. She did all the driving, she did all the navigating. I wouldn't have gone anywhere if she hadn't been there. I'd still be in Dallas. <laughs> um, and uh, it kind of just, something clicked. I can't even put it into words, yeah. unfortunately. I'm not enough of a poet to do that. So then on our final um, trip of the five, we went to Rome and I proposed. And she Rome. said yes. You've got it. You're like a rom-com man, aren't you? <laughs> Proposed in Rome, sent over the drinks. It's funny because no one ever asked me about this. I've never talked about this until now, and yeah, I hate myself. I sound like a cheesy, a cheesy book that someone's discarded in the hotel by the pool because they've thumbed through it with suntan lotion fingers and left it for another holidaymaker. I'm not even in English. I'm in German. I've just you are I've been like, brought in by the cover. You're the mum dad I'd like you to meet. <laughs> what would you say? And be really honest to hear. What do you think Sarah Jane would say was your was the, th was the one thing she finds difficult about you? Um, I'm thinking not because it's so hard to think of one. I'm trying to work out which one's top of the pile. Um, are you a sulker, for example, or are you a let's get it out in the open and talk about it? I, I'm a let's get it out in the open and talk about it. Are you? I think so. Yeah, well, I don't think so. I know so. Me too. 
but I, but I'm not a let's get out there and talk about it in a calm fashion kind of person either. <laughs> there's two different types of let's talk about it and get it out there. There's you know, there's the person with a raised voice in Pizza Express. <laughs> Is that you? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So how? And would you, you should never yell or have an argument over dough balls, Emily. They're just too darn special. And what sort of thing would it be? Would it be something small? You'd just be like, why did you do that? Um, it's hard to identify. Would it be, no, I don't, I, t I, I think I've got a, a, enough of a grip on reality not to kind of lose it over the small things. Yeah. I mean, you know you hear about those. The amount of people who are held, as, uh, held in the public conscious as absolute heroes, national treasures, who you know, because we work in this industry, are total bastards. You'll never see me throw a latte at a runner because they haven't stirred it the right way. <laughs> I think I've got enough of a grip on reality. So if I'm yelling over the dough balls at my wife, it's for something that's right. probably actually important yeah. at the time. I mean, all these, and also I'm one of those people where I instantly regret it. Do whenever you? I, I, all, but with any, whenever Do you say I, sorry? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a big apologiser. But yeah. then that's because I think I'm always... Guilty of transgressions, wrong. yeah. <laughs> no. And everyone say, I'm so good at saying sorry. I'm like, yeah, you have to be. But um, do you, I've got a question for you. Do you cry, Dave? Uh, yes, yeah. When did you last cry? Uh, when did I last cry? I sometimes have to, to stop myself from, because it becomes, I, I, I can see that Sarah Jane can sense there's drama coming. <laughs> um, but I'll get, I'll get touched and moved by things all the time. Certain things can... can trigger it off would you cry during an argument or would you cry no at a movie or would you cry like I, at a piece of sad news or i, I could cry at a piece of sad news because i know when i interviewed rob beckett again it was really interesting he was talking about just that whole thing of mental health and blokes talking about that more mm -hmm. and he was keen to encourage that you know because yeah. i always get that sense that women get together and they chat about how they're feeling you mm. know and men, in my experience, and this may be a generalisation, but I don't get the sense they do that as much. Well, I think you're, I, I, as, a, as a man, I, I think you're right. I, it's quite, it's different. I've got a couple of friends that I'll, I'll sit and have a good chat and a cry with from time to time. If Would you cry in front of your male friends then? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I don't, your, your friends wouldn't have an issue with that. Your friends would support that. They would yeah. understand why you're crying and yeah but i think as well i you know it, it's great that, that that people want to share and i think we live in such a healthy period for for mental health i think more and more people are sharing and more and more high profile people are getting involved and posting things about it i i also think that um you know one can spend a long time feeling around the rim of their hole of grief yeah. to figure out its parameters yeah and sometimes with a friend yeah you choose to dive in the vast majority of people and that's one thing they say isn't it you know if someone says they're okay ask them again yeah because the vast majority of people have got something going on and i think that well the way i visualize it it's a hole and you kind of feel yeah. around and you feel where its boundaries are and um, sometimes you get sucked in and sometimes yeah. you choose to jump in, don't you? Yeah. But I, I, I'm, I'm always working at feeling my way around in the darkness for that. for that. Does that make any sense? No, it does. I want to well, That's how I visualise it in my mind. There might, it might sound like nonsense, but that's... Have you ever had therapy, Dave? No. Would you? Uh, I, I would. I'm not averse to it. It's, um, it's something that 
lots of my friends have done. It's, yeah. But I find my therapy is, well, I can't say it's because I've never had it. And I think it's so important. And I know it helps so many people because it yeah. helps a lot of my friends. Yeah. But I find talking to them about that and them listening to me a therapy. Yeah. You know, every, every October, it's, we try and go away, me and a small group of friends. We go to a different city. So we went to Amsterdam first. Let's, 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 let's. Uh, very um, lads. Do you do lads, lads, lads? No, we don't do that. No. Really, no. I imagine um, you don't. I think you're more three-piece suit and wonderful red wine. Well, we're a bunch of kind of, <laughs> we're a bunch of, yeah, we, we are a red wine You're a bit young fogies. Young fogies. <laughs> but there's, you know, amongst them are songwriters and writers yeah. and musicians. It's and So we're all sat around drinking wine and crying. It's, and like, the crying, grand, it's like the Grand which Tour, fun. which these days. Did you, how was <laughs> yeah. some, um, you had it's Evangeline. It's like a more emotionally involved the Grand Tour. <laughs> <laughs> so you had Evangeline, yes. your baby, last year, and um, how did that, well it sounds like a cliche, how does it change you, but obviously it does. Was it what you were expecting? Well it's changed me as in, you know, even a year ago I would have finished the show and I would have been desperate to get home, but now I'd rather walk around <laughs> in a park with you than go anywhere <laughs> near the responsibilities that I know are waiting for me. Is it hard work? It, it, it is hard work, but it's very very rewarding and it's it's full of it's full of a, a joy that is that was difficult to comprehend before she came along yeah and um i think the three of us as a little family are are, are doing we're doing well we've got we i i have nothing but respect and understanding for sarah jane as a as a, a new mum and um I'm, I'm conscious that she is more than just a young mum. She's a, a new mum. She's a person who um, had a life and should continue to have a life. <laughs> so we, we, um, we all pitch in and Evangeline hey. is a good baby and we're, we're kind of, we're making it work. And, um, are, you, you, um, are you a feminist, Dave? I like to think so, yes. I think what you just said is a feminist thing to say. Well, Do you know what I mean? I loved you good. saying about your wife that it's so true because I think a lot of women lose, you know, struggle with your identity a bit, I imagine. I haven't had kids because I forgot, but I think, <laughs> I think that can happen. You know, yes. and I think to have a husband who sort of says, right, you're a person, first and foremost, and a mum. Do you know what I mean? It's Yes, yeah, so we're, we're in it together. Yeah. And um, another, you know, another advantageous thing of of the kind of hours I normally keep. I mean, often there's other things going on in the day, but it does mean I'm able to come home and have a little bit of daddy-daughter time while Sarah Jane After can the go to the gym show. or go to go meet her friends or yeah. whatever. And then because, well, in Sarah Jane's case, new mum, in Evangeline's case, six months old, my case, breakfast show, we you all like. go to bed together at yeah. half past eight, so it's perfect. <laughs> Actually, that's true. It's per- thank we're all, you. We've all got our reasons, Emily. Thank you, Absolute Radio. <laughs> exactly, yeah. For making Dave a, a brilliant hands-on dad. <laughs> it's been so lovely today, Dave. Oh, look. Thanks, right. Emily. And you've been your... Thanks, you know what? I describe you as an old-fashioned gent. I'll take that. Are you happy with that? I'm really happy with that. I'm going to put that on the next run of posters. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes.